Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. Hi, I'm Susan Kalman. Thanks a lot for taking the time to listen to the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast from the Edinburgh Festival 2010. Coming up on this very show, we find out all about what's on at the Gildy Balloon and the Underbelly. Oh, come too hot. Jim Jeffries tells us what he thinks about critics. I'm very talented, and that's always going to get in the way of substance. Josie Long chats to us about a gig she did for the jailed Burmese comic Zarganar. Oh my God, it was just wonderful. From the Amnesty Archive, we've got Shappy Kersandi. The other act backstage, they're all calling me the box ticker. And a little bit of Mitchell and Webb. Of course we're not the baddies. What we're doing is entirely just. We're fighting for the future of Germany against the communists and the decadent Western powers who betrayed us at Versailles. So keep listening. You'll regret it if you don't. First up, here's some stand-up from Dame Edna Everidge. I wasn't sure about this little amnesty night because I generally support my own special pet little charity, which is the very very wonderful Royal Australian Prostate Foundation. (laughs) My husband, Norm, well, he hasn't been a well man. I've had his his prostate hanging over my head for many, many years. (laughs) And for a very long time, the poor darling, he's he's had a rumbling prostate, but he never let on. He kept it under his hat, particularly... Particularly at the pictures, but it had to leak out in the end, it did, and... And you know, there's a wonderful new operation which, thanks to my magnificence, we've been exploring in Australia. It's a part of a branch of Cyronics where they snap-freeze the prostate. They... In the hope that one day a doctor or a wonderful surgeon will be born who can perform a miracle operation on it. Of course, this is cold comfort to my husband in more ways than one. Oh, silly Billy me, I had to take it home from the hosie uh, in a thermos on the back seat of my car. And I can assure you I haven't had Norm's organ there for many moons. And then I got it home and I've, I've tucked it. I've tucked it in the freezing compartment of our fridge. It's there on the left at the back. I've got all the Barbie meat on the right. My worry, of course, is that my marvellous old bridesmaid, Madge Allsop, will get a little bit peckish in the middle of the night. She could be in the mood for a scrummy old shish kebab, shouldn't she, darling? I could come home from one of these lovely shows that I do and find my husband's organ halfway down her throat. That's a worry. Josie Long went for a cup of tea with Richard Melvin. She started off by telling him about a gig she'd done for the Burmese comedian Zarganar, who's been locked up for 35 years just for criticising the government. I did a gig done by the Islington chapter of Amnesty, which I was like, wow, there's regional, not even regional, like tiny neighbourhood chapters of Amnesty, which I was very impressed by. Um, And it was for him. And a couple of his friends came along to it. And oh my God, it was just wonderful. And it was so, uh, like, humbling. But I can't think of the word, it was just stunning. They were so funny and fun and friendly and they've been through so much both of them sort of describing how they've been imprisoned and how they got through it and and what it all meant and I remember me and my friend Gavin who writes and plays songs um, standing there utterly embarrassed by what we did because we were just like 
Who are we? We're just a pair of feckless idiots. But they were so cool. And they were so nice at the end. They were like, oh, thanks loads. And I was just very, very proud that my stupid, ridiculous shtick could be of interest to someone who'd been through that. From that point of view, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you because of something that you've said or done? I've never been arrested. I, the only thing, I, recently, because I've been doing stuff about uh, the Conservatives in government at the moment and how much I hate them and how much I hate what they're doing, Sometimes I get people in the audience who disagree with me and they really get angry. The other day I was, I was at my club, which is in Camden Town, and I run it and I do the door. And this guy had snuck in and he hadn't paid. And I know, because I do the door, right? And he's like, I did pay, I did pay. I'm like, no, you didn't. I do the door. And then he was like, oh, okay. Um, and he was this young Tory, just joined the Tory party. And he started like, really having a go at me. He's like, you can't just get on stage and rant like that. You can't just rant unchecked. And I was thinking, I'm pretty sure I can at my club. But then I was thinking, God, maybe I can't anymore. Like, maybe they've changed that. Now, you're going to be performing at the Amnesty gig at Venue 150. Um, that, now, that's a kind of late-night composite Edinburgh show. For anyone listening who's not been to a show like that, what could they expect? Um, well, there's loads of different comics on. So, if they are there and they say they've never been to comedy before, and say, so, say I'm on, and they're like, who is this tired-looking Kent woman? We hate her. Oh, this show's a nightmare. I say, just hold tight. Because once I'm off, lots more, right? So there's always something for everyone. It's the Edinburgh International Conference Centre, which is gargantuan. So if you can stay away in the toilet overnight, next morning, just pick up a badge off the table, you're away. You're away. Three days you got. Three teas. They do sandwiches. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you so. And Josie Long, thank you very much for speaking to us on the Amnesty Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Hello, this is Rob Rouse on the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. I'm the captain of this year's Amnesty International Comedians football team, as well as doing my own show at the 8.30 in the Underbelly, in the Whitebelly. Come and see it. It's time now to dip into the Amnesty Comedy archives and take a look through the eyes of Shappy Sandy. I am a female Iranian stand-up comedian. The other acts backstage, they're all calling me the box ticker. I rang up my granny in Iran and she's very worried because she, she's building an extension to her house and she's worried that she'll end up with an extension, but no house. <laughs> Possibly not the most powerful anti-war argument you've ever heard, but builders in Tehran are pricey. There are no Polish people. <laughs> if you're wondering if that joke is politically correct, it's fine, I checked with my cleaner. Correct. I was at a party recently and I said to my friend, have you met Steve? He's a really nice guy. My friend goes, which one's Steve? Steve was the only black guy in the room. I found myself going, Steve, yeah, he's over there. He's got blue jeans on, a grey t-shirt, sort of curly hair, and a Nigerian accent. <laughs> my friend goes, Shappy, do you mean the black guy? I was like, oh, is he black? I didn't notice. <laughs> Karen Corrin, Artistic Director of the Gilded Balloon in its 25th year this year. We're stood outside the front of the building the day before the festival's about to start and an hour before your box office opens. How are you feeling? <laughs> oh, God! Um, I feel great! <laughs> she lied convincingly. Can we go and have a little look inside and just have a little look round to see how everyone's getting on? Okay. 
whole place at Tivia is looking 100% better than it has been in years gone by. Everyone looks very well organised. There's lots of posters as we come down the stairs to the nightclub. Do the acts get moody about who's got the most posters and oh, who's got the best terrible. positions? And everybody's very nervous at the beginning. So when they arrive, they look around to see how many posters, but everybody gets the same amount. OK, we're right down in the, the bowels of the building now. And I always think it's nice to have a nightclub next to a gent's toilet. <laughs> Ten years ago, that was a very stinky toilet. It's not now. It's all been done up. What's going to be happening in the nightclub? Uh, we've got Latch's anti-hoot. Latch uh, is a fantastic guy from New York who has his own club there, the anti-hoot. And he gets lots of performers together and new talent coming along and uh, he gives them all a chance. And he is himself very, very funny and he's doing a show in the balcony, so we'll go and have a look. Now, there might be a tech going on in here, so... Over there, Ali Cook, um, he, he's a magician who's in uh, the billiard here and he has actually had a tank built a water tank, and he is going to do that escapology thing where he goes into the water and escapes. I've, I don't know how he's going to do it, and this is only an 80-seater, but it will be fantastic. I don't think we'll be doing it at Late and Live or anything. <laughs> Late and Live is probably one of the most iconic nights at the Edinburgh Festival. Tell us a little bit about it over the years. Oh, God, Late and Live has been amazing. It kind of started because of the, the new uh, stand-up comics that were around in the 80s, and they all knew each other, and because of that, um, they all wanted to be in the same bar at the same time late at night, and also they wanted to criticise each other on stage. And that's really what happened. You know, they, were, they would all come have a drink and then go into the performance room, which was down in the Cowgate in those days, it was very grungy, you know, it was very hot and sticky and sweaty and, and they would all just heckle and, and you would find other he comics heckling other comics and then, and what's transpired over the years really is that it's become an institution and now, obviously, the audiences join in and the audiences now rule the comics much more than it was in the past. The weak don't survive and the ones that the best comics just get on with it. Amnesty International supports freedom of expression and comedy here at Edinburgh is really all about freedom of expression. Do you think the stage is really the last bastion where people can, have got the right to say and do anything they choose? Yes, but there's a, there's, a, there's a question mark against that because comedy is meant to be funny. It's not meant to be preachy. Uh, Russell Brand, I haven't read his bookie wookie. However, I think he mentions it in his book that he preached to the audience in a drug-fueled tirade, which was awful. We ended up turning off the microphone, but it was at the time of the murders of the two young girls Anyway, it was about that, so I understand his passion. However, the audience were there to have a laugh, not to listen to Russell Brand. Uh, and what was his fate that night? Did he get booed off or...? No, he was carried off by my, um, my security. Security carried him off and uh, he kicked and squealed and he kicked his leg through a plate glass window, ended up in hospital for over a week. So he... He wrote me a four-page letter of apology and how he felt about everything. And, of course, the Gilda Balloon burnt down and that letter was destroyed. So, naughty boy, he needs a good 
Spanking. Karen Corrin, thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. I'm too hot. <laughs> You're going to put that in. Oh, I'm too hot. <laughs> well, I've just walked across the road from the Gilded Balloon and I'm now stood outside a massive upside down purple cow. Um, and we're just about to have the launch party for the underbelly. So I'm going to have a little walk around and see if I can find anyone interesting to speak to. Hello. I'm here outside the cow with Ed Bartlam, who is uh, one of the directors of That's the right. underbelly, yeah. and Brendan Burns, who's just opened the cow. How, how are you feeling, Ed, first of all? I'm feeling tired. Yeah. Very tired, very exhausted, but it's great to be open. Hey, it's Edinburgh, the sun's shining, and... I'm standing next to Brendan Burns. And, I'm you know. standing next to Ed Bartlam. I'm very excited. He's <laughs> a very handsome man. So what can we expect from your show this year? What's it called and where is it? I'm so happy with this show. It's called, you know, Love and God and Metaphysics and Shit. And it's basically a comic love letter because I get a lot of peer pressure to be atheist. You know, I get a lot more peer pressure from atheism than I do religion. And it's interesting that when, the moment I say that, the presumptions and the trite bigotries and the cliches that come forth I put it like this, at the beginning of the universe and the nature of being and the point of life, you're afforded either one of three choices, and that's atheist, agnostic or religious. And even Facebook, when they ask you if you're in a relationship, affords you the opportunity to tick, it's complicated. And that's where... And I saw a bit of it in London when you were doing it with us in the cow. I, I love doing it in the great. cow. You know, I'm going to uh, cement my name to the show. It's great. Am I right in thinking that you're one of the only comedians who's doing both the comedy festival and the book festival? I've got my first book being, it's called Fear of Hat Loss in Las Vegas. And that is the tale of what happened when myself, Paul Provenza and Barry Castanola went in pursuit of a photograph in the Nevada desert. I don't want to say any more, actually because I don't want to give it away, but that's easily one of the top three things I've ever done. Okay, cool. Uh, in my opinion. Brilliant. Brendan Burns, thanks so much for Hey, thanks for having me. And there's also one of my favourite comedians from last year here, Sammy J. What are you bringing to the festival this year? Oh, that's very kind of you to, to have been along. Uh, last year was about my school days. This year is about my adult life. It's my first real stand-up show because I'm actually uh, talking to the crowd directly. And it's called Skinny Man Modern World. And it's just piecing together a few of my experiences from the last decade that have made me the questionable man I am today. Well, thank you very much and good luck with your show this year. Thank you very much. Amnesty International are organising a Comedians versus Critics football match on the 15th of August. Here's Jim Jeffrey's opinion on critics. When I first started in this job, it was, uh, I, all I cared about was what critics thought of me and if I could get an award. Now, I've been doing this job for 10 years and I've never won an award and I've never had a critic who truly liked me. When I was a child, I used to dream about being a comedian. I used to dream about doing a show in the West End and having people come to it. Tonight I've just lived my dream, right? But nobody, when they were a child, ever sat in a chair and said, when I grow up, I want to be a critic. I want to critique other people who have done well in their lives. And that's why anybody who's a critic or anyone who, who talks about comedy, movies, food or anything is a worthless piece of skin. It's Rob Rouse again on the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. Here's another clip from the archives for you from those cheeky fudsters, Mitchell and Webb. They're coming. Now we'll see how these Russians deal with a crack SS division. Um, Hans? Take heart, my friend. Uh, yeah, uh, Hans, I've, I've just noticed something. 
These communists are all cowards. Yeah, um, have you looked at our caps recently? Our caps? Yeah, the, the badges on our caps. Have you looked at them? Uh, no, a bit. What? They've got skulls on them. Hmm? Have you noticed that the, the little badges on our caps have, have actually got pictures of skulls on them? I don't, uh... Hans, are we the baddies? <laughs> of course we're not the baddies. What we're doing is entirely just. We're fighting for the future of Germany against the communists and the decadent Western powers who betrayed us at Versailles. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that does sound just. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, and sorry to go back to it, but we have got little pictures of skulls on our SS caps, and, and that just seems very much the sort of motif you'd associate with a baddie. I'm not with you. Well, I mean, what, what do skulls make you think of? Uh, death, beheading, cannibals, uh, pirates. Pirates are fun! I didn't say we weren't fun, but fun or not, pirates are still the baddies. I, I just can't think of anything good about a skull. What about pure Aryan skull shape? Even that is more usually depicted with the skin still on. <laughs> Whereas the Allies... Oh, you haven't been listening to Allied propaganda. Of course they're going to say we're the baddies. Yeah, but they didn't get to design our uniforms. And, and their symbols are all, you know, quite nice. Stars, stripes, lions, sickles. What's so great about sickles? Well, nothing. And if there's one thing we've learned in the last thousand miles of retreat, it's that Russian agriculture is in dire need of mechanisation. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> but, but still, you've got to say, it's better than a skull. I mean, I can't think of anything worse as a symbol than a skull. A rat's anus? Yeah, and if we were fighting an army marching under the banner of a rat's anus, I'd probably be a lot less worried, Hans. Eric, why are you worrying about badges and symbols? They're not important. Well, you know, you know how they say that history is written by the victors, so that their symbols will be remembered in a positive way and their defeated enemies in a bad way? Well, I'm just a bit worried that if the Allies win, we've kind of done quite a lot of that work for them already. <laughs> with the skulls. Yeah, and the rat's anus people are really screwed. As we've discussed, they don't exist. Oh, yeah. So where's all this leading? Well, you know how at the beginning of the war, we, we did really well and the Allies nearly lost, but now things seem to be going a lot better for them. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen a film? What's your point? Well, I have never seen a film where the goodies start off really successfully, really nearly achieve their goals, but then the baddies come back very strongly, but the goodies still eventually win. Whereas I have seen a lot of films where the baddies start off really successfully, but then the goodies come back and eventually win. I'm just increasingly uncomfortable about our place in the narrative structure of this war. The Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening to this podcast. There's loads of great stuff coming up on the next one, including an interview with me, Susan Kalman. Don't forget about the Stand Up For Freedom gig. It's on the 19th of August at Venue 150. Check out amnesty.org.uk forward slash edfest for more details. Hi, 
you're tuned into the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast, where freedom of expression. <laughs> we're fuck. Hi, I'm Brendan Birds. You're tuned into the Amnesty. Amnesty. Oh, come on. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> hi, hi. Hi, I'm Brendan Burns, and you're tuned into the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast. Hi, I'm, I got the giggles now. Hi, I'm Brendan Burns, and you're tuned into the Amnesty International Comedy Podcast, where expression is free. Huh? Yeah. Hello, this is JC Long. Again, uh, uh, I'm here to say everyone in this podcast has donated their time and performance to Amnesty International. So we did it for free, so you can't be a douche about it. Um, we use our freedom of expression to support those who have none. Protect freedom of expression for everyone by joining Amnesty at www.amnesty.org.uk.